Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing today? Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know, thank you for all the many calls and texts and uh, just random passing bys. We truly love, Lisa and I love being here. You're not gonna get rid of us quickly. (laughs) Truly love being here and I love you all. Thank you so much. And thank you also to our praise team. Didn't they sound excellent today? Brought out some of the oldies. Sounded awesome, especially as we were singing, we were clapping. I love that. Don't be afraid to clap here. All right, let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. God, uh, we're starting a new phase in our series. We're dipping now into the letter, the second letter of Peter. May you lead and guide us now as we, we study. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, Greg, Asim- <laughs> I'm going to say this, Asimakopoulos. That's a tongue twister. Uh, Recounts a story in his book um, that there was a a baker who was attending a conference. I believe it was a conference, a Christian conference, and it was being led by Dr. Harry Ironside. And uh, she was being complimented by uh, the biscuits, the homemade biscuits that she had made. They were nice and fluffy, fluffy and delicate, but warm. It was delicious. And he asked her, you know, what, what do you have to do to make such great biscuits? And she, she mentioned, you know, the flour itself, just by itself. Anybody ever tried to eat flour by itself? Okay, there's got to be more than just me when I was a kid. It tastes horrible, right? As soon as you eat it, all of a sudden it, it, uh, it clumps up together and leaves this really bad taste in your mouth. Uh, same as uh, baking powder. Does baking powder taste great? Nope. Uh, how about shortening by itself? Yeah. You take all of these ingredients by itself, ugh, doesn't taste great. But when you combine them together, it makes something beautiful and delicious and just heartwarming. For me, biscuits and gravy, love it. Awesome. Not healthy for you. But that doesn't matter. I still love it. Growing up, and especially when I worked at summer camp, it was my favorite meal. Uh, one particular cook, every time I've had the opportunity to go up uh, for a week when I was the, 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 pa- the weekly pastor for special occasions, I always asked them, Matt, are you doing biscuits and gravy? Because for whatever reason, I just, I loved the biscuits and gravy that he, he made. And it, it brought a certain comfort to me. And he's just, he's a good dude. Love that guy. And so when you bring these things together, something amazing happens. And as Greg also points out, sometimes much of life can seem tasteless, even bad, but God is able to combine these ingredients in a way that it can become amazing. And God desires that we have amazing and want to have an amazing life. Amen? All right. Let's go ahead 
and jump to our first passage we're going to look at. Let's go to the letter, the second letter of Peter, and let's read the first half, verses 1 through 11. And our, the first half of this is essentially talking about faithfulness and also the kingdom, the not maybe uh, the eternal kingdom, as somebody once said. Faithfulness and the eternal kingdom. And let's look at a couple of things. Now, right off the bat, Peter is going to announce who he is. This is very typical at the time of how he wrote. Except in, in this letter, it's going to a little bit different compared to 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, when you just look at that, we see, okay, Simon Peter, blah, 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 blah. He's going to write a letter. Now, put a finger here on this passage. Let's look over a couple of chapters to 1 Peter 1, 1. Okay, hold that. And when we look at 1 Peter 1, 1, what does it just, what, what does it say? It says Peter. The second letter, Peter says Simon Peter, or if you pronounce it in the Greek, Simeon. This is different. See, Peter is not just saying his name. He's saying it in a way, the Hebrew way of pronouncing it, Shimeon. And here he goes on, a servant, or as the Greek says, a doulos. We've been talking about how we should submit to one another. Peter is, is harping on this. And then also being an apostle, an emissary. So in 2 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, Peter amps, I don't want to call it pressure, but he's signifying something. Simeon, recognizing his roots, especially as a Jewish man, following Jesus, becoming a Christian, or essentially that's what it morphed into, and being a servant and an apostle, an emissary, a defender, a spokesperson for Jesus. Let's go ahead and continue. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Kind of, kind of a weird way of putting it. Why, why does Peter say that? And when you look at it, he's, he's writing to... Um, most likely some Gentile believers. They didn't grow up in the Jewish faith. And it's also been some time, more than likely, it's probably, this was written around 80, 60 something, maybe 80, 64. And so it's been some time since Jesus has died, decades in fact. And so they did not have the opportunity to see who Jesus was, first person. Peter is having to write from uh, his experience and share. And as he says, precious as ours, he's simply stating that your faith is just as equal as everyone else, from the apostles to those who've gone through. Your faith uh, is just as great, and we are no better than you. And then he goes in with the grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Amen? Now, our next section that we talk about is essentially Peter is going to talk about the calling that we all have as followers of Jesus. And not just a calling, but to be elected, to be standing out. His divine power 
has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and what? His goodness. So we can call upon God and he will provide that power that is needed to be able to live a faithful life. Verse four, throughout, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Remember in our first letter how we're talking about, especially this last week, what should we not, uh, what, what should we expect? As it says, fiery ordeals, trouble, challenges, and at times there will be suffering, right? To be honest, we don't like that idea because it means that we're going to have to be uncomfortable. But life is not meant to be comfortable. Anybody ever had a comfortable life that, that escaped any Has anybody ever lived a life that is comfortable and never experienced pain? We all do for the most part at one point, okay? So, promises. And, you know, when it comes to promises, there's a story told. Um, Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance, anybody ever heard of it? Started many years ago in Wisconsin, of all places, uh, back in the 1850s, I believe. And to, to know their story, uh, these two individuals who started it, it was quite the, the introduction to, <laughs> to uh, selling life insurance because right at the very beginning, unfortunately, there was a train accident and two of the passengers who had died uh, subscribed to that insurance. So um, it originally started as Mutual Life Insurance Company of the state of Wisconsin on March 2, 1857. Now, several years later, uh, it had relocated to Milwaukee in 1859. And shortly after that, they experienced their first two death claims. There was a train going from Janesville to Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. And unfortunately, the train fell off the track. It got derailed, killing 14 people and two, two of them who were policy owners. And at the time, there was losses amounting to $3,500. Now, 2022, you think, okay, $2,200 or $3,500, that's quite a bit. But back in 1859, oh, much more expensive. And guess how much they only had in the bank to be able to pay out? Two grand. What were they going to do? How could they find $1,500 at that point? Well, the president, Samuel Daggett, and the treasurer, Charles Nash, they personally had to borrow the needed funds to be able to pay them immediately. And some asked, well, why didn't you just default on the, on the payments? And they said it would not have been right, the right thing to do to these individuals' families. And they both agreed that they would rather see the company fail than neglect their own obligation to those who trust them to keep their word. And when we look at this passage here now, promises, they had promised to pay out the benefits if it ever was called into. Here, Peter is reminding us that through God, there are, is the very great and precious promises that God has for us to help us in this calling 
that God wants for us. And so in verse 5, it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, what? Goodness. And here we're talking about, uh, here's some ingredients that we can have, in, that we can apply to our life to help us grow spiritually and to be closer to God and to be, to call, to carry out what God has called for us. And goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. So these are the seven ingredients for faith. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. And we practice these things, amazing things happen in our lives. When we practice goodness or kindness to other people, does it affect your relationships? Right. Because if you acted like a person who was not good, who was mean, maybe a tyrant, or just rude, are people going to want to hang out with you? <laughs> They're not, right? But it's also important that we also soak up the knowledge to take time to soak up what God has in store for us in scriptures to learn that we can apply to our lives to not only know who God is, but ultimately to improve and better our lives, to have self-control, perseverance, patience. It's another way of saying that. And then godliness, having a relationship, growing in Christ, mutual affection, they're living in a time, uh, the recipients of this letter, where there's continued persecution. We have to band together. When we band together, is it always easy, especially when you're worried about potentially your life being in jeopardy or just dealing with the day-to-day -day grind of being persecuted, uh, being harassed? It can build up, right? And so... Love one another. Look out for one another. Be united together. Now let's go ahead and uh, continue in, in this passage. Let's go to, to verse 12. And it's here that Peter affirms Jesus' return and God's faithfulness, God's goodness. So verse 12. So, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. In a way, this is Peter's testament to this group his story, his, his desire to make sure that he's going to try to do everything that he can to make sure that they're properly equipped and to share uh, whatever stories he could if, and, and also to be a vessel to help that the gospel moves forward. Verses 16 through 18, it then talks about, uh, he, he's affirming again the coming of Jesus Christ, which at this time where the recipients there's other people who are questioning that and causing seeds of dissension. And so he says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus in power, but we were 
eyewitnesses of his majesty. What is Peter trying to say here? We didn't just make this up because why? Peter was there. You ever experience something and somebody calls it into question? <laughs> it's like, dude, I was there. I can tell you from my own memory, I saw it, I heard it. Maybe I smelled it. These senses in our, in our bodies help us to remember. And as you recount these stories, Peter was able to remember all of the miracles that Jesus did. All of the difficult times Jesus had to deal with all of those difficult people. Peter remembers the time of denying Jesus three times. And then also the grace that Jesus showed afterwards. Peter remembers the time that Jesus died for him. And Jesus, Peter also remembers the time that Jesus promised that he would return. So he's here, he's serving as an eyewitness. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well, what? Pleased. Peter was there to see Jesus being baptized, God speaking. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Now, as we continue here in this last chunk, verses 19 through 21, Peter reminds them of Jesus' return. We also have a prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the prophetic word and the teachings, who inspired that? Was it just some prophet coming up with something? No, it was God's word. God, either via the Holy Spirit, God speaking, impressing upon the minds, the prophets and the writers of the Bible. These things are true. These things we can hold on to with strength because God does not abandon us, does not leave us by ourselves. God has, if you think about it over the many years, this book, this collection of writings of, by many people, has stand, stood the test of time. And so should we not take, the, should we take this for granted? No. This is a beautiful promise, many promises, and this gift that we have in our hands that God can enrich and better our lives. So there's a couple of things. Number one, God gives us these seven ingredients of faith that we should take and we should practice. And then we also just have to quickly remember is Peter's Testament writing. He's not, he's not just here because he wants to. He's, he's, he's suffering and laboring and trying to do what he can to encourage and exhort these believers. But also be reminded of his, his testimony. He's seen what has happened. And finally, 
he's also exhorting them and encouraging them that there is promise and hope in the words of Jesus and also all of Scripture. And the message will stand true and will happen. Now, as you look upon your life, let's just go back to the seven ingredients, okay? Which of the seven ingredients do you resonate with and you could build on? Let's just maybe go back, okay? Which one of these do you identify with? Like, you know, I'm, I think I'm pretty strong in that area. Whether it's goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, or love. And maybe what are the ingredients that you think, you know, maybe we could improve on? We could grow. There's room for growth. <laughs> think about that for a second, okay? Are you a firm believer? Do you study? Do you have knowledge? Okay, it's one thing to have knowledge, but do we practice it? So, with these seven ingredients, which ones do you resonate with and could you build on? The challenge this week is take one ingredient you could build on, one that there's room for growth, and I want you to practice that ingredient every day this week. Amen? And I want you to come back next week and tell me, hey, I'm going to ask, how'd it go? My friends, may the Lord bless, lead, and guide you. And may, as you practice this challenge, may your life be enriched. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness, your love, and your mercy. Lord, you did not leave us nor abandon us. And thank you for the promise that, Lord, you will return, but also we can go forth with encouragement knowing that you've also left us a path through scripture. And also we have a community here to help nurture and grow in faith and to look out and to help one another, lead and guide us in all that we do. As we study this passage, Lord, in our small groups this week, help us to go deeper, to find a deeper understanding and above all, Lord, May we not just learn this knowledge, but apply it to our lives. Be with those who could not make it uh, here today. May you continue to help us to be the ambassadors and emissaries that you've called us to, not only here in Downey, but wherever we live, wherever we go. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Grace and peace, everybody. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you soon.